Kia ora, welcome to Asian and Aotearoa. I'm Jenna and in this episode I catch up with Jess Fu. Jess is Chinese, was born and raised in Tamaki and is a music journalist and DJ. She is the host and one of the people behind the music web series Amplified, which explores the creative practices of some awesome local artists and how this is tied to their identity. I highly recommend you check it out at a link in the show notes. There's even an Amugi episode, so you can spot past guests Yeri and Casey there too. In this episode, I ask Jess about the process of creating Amplified, her own creative journey, what she's into, and more. Jess is the last guest on the podcast for 2022. The next one will be an AMA where my friend Alina asks me some questions for a change. So stay tuned for that. Everything is rolling. Welcome, Jess. Hello. (laughs) How's it going? I'm so thrilled to have you here. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. First, would you like to do a quick self-introduction? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, everyone's, everyone's like, okay, yeah, yeah. if I must. Okay, well, my name is Jess Fu. I grew up in Auckland, born here, born and raised. I'm Chinese. My parents are from northeast China in Tianjin, which is about like a the Hamilton of China, I would say. It's really close to Beijing. Yeah, and I'm a music journalist and DJ and been doing it for a wee while and now I'm here. I hope that's a fine intro. <laughs> Very fine. Better than fine. Yeah, I actually, you've been on my radar for a while. So when Zach emailed me, I was like, great. <laughs> I don't have to reach out. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. You saved me, a, saved me an email. To start, would you like to pull a pleasure oracle card? Sure. Okay, so I'll just get you to shuffle. I've never done this before. I don't know these cards, but my but my shuffling isn't good either. Oh no, that's fine. <laughs> okay, they might have to do. <laughs> She's mixing them up, and so whatever you pick is something for you to pay attention to. Perhaps. Oh, okay. Let's see. So do I just pick the whichever one. Call, whichever card. one calls. Okay, I would close my eyes and. Oh, okay. Let's find the middle. Love revolution. Shame, guilt, and victimhood create powerlessness. And when we're in a dark place, courting anything else feels like a denial of our pain. It's true that we need to feel our despair in order to heal from it. But embracing wonder and joy is not denial. It's our way through it. Action is love is strength. Love is resilience. Love doesn't shout. It whispers. Yet it's a force so powerful that only it can wake you from a life that feels like a bad dream. Integrate your anger, accept your hurt, but don't identify with it. For only love can set us free. See if you can counter the fearful thoughts you notice having with a ridiculously loving thought. I don't even know if I understood all of that. <laughs> it was a lot. <laughs> love revolution. I mean, what do you take from that? Let's have a look. Like, I don't really get it. <laughs> Maybe it's something around your headspace at the moment. Integrate your anger, accept your hurt. So it's sort of like feel, feel the shit, but know that you don't have to identify with it. Mm, Okay. I guess, yeah, that makes sense. I'll integrate my anger. There's a a bit in me. Is there? General. Is there? Sometimes I'm always a bit angry at something, angry at, or more annoyed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay, I'll take that. Hmm, okay. Well, thanks for pulling a card. Now, to get right into it, I 
read that as an eight-year-old, you had a group of Pākehā teens yell at you, go back to your own country. Yes, which that's right. Oh, is, which is sadly, <laughs> it's a really common experience, sadly. So I'm curious how you interpreted that experience as a child and how that might have influenced you. Yeah, that was crazy. I was like, I was like walking down with my friend, um, I think towards Mission Bay, and she was like three years older than me. And hmm, it was, I was like, oh my God, why are people saying go back to my own country? Like, they're not even from here. They're like, why? <laughs> <laughs> but then, like, you know, yes. I was eight, maybe yeah. even younger, maybe seven. And then my friend, who was also young, like, she's like, oh, well, they're Pākehā. You know, they're, <laughs> they're kind of, they're allowed to be here kind of thing. Huh? It's strange. You know, we were both young, so I didn't quite get it. Yeah. I didn't really know what it meant for someone to be like Pākehā. And I guess you don't really either. And yeah, it was uh, definitely an, an interesting, um, you know, that's always stuck with me. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. When you're so young. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm just thinking like if I was a teenager, I would never yell at a young kid. Yeah. You know, but. I think being yelled at on the street yeah. by a stranger <laughs> is a, not a nice experience anyway. But for, no, yeah, to experience that as a child must have been quite disturbing. Yeah, I didn't really, like, unpack it until, like, you know, I was older. But, like, at the time I was kind of like, why would they say that? Mm. <laughs> did you talk, did you talk to your parents about it? No. <laughs> Not at all. Like, I think I just, like, suppressed it. Like, mm. kind of just, like, forgot about it for, like, a long time. But then, yeah, just, like, moments I'm like, oh, I, I remember that happening. Um, that was probably, like, the biggest thing I, like... Most like outright yes. racist incident that I experienced growing up. Yeah, you know things can be so like, you know, subtle. Yes, but that was like the most like, yeah, yes. in your face. But I'm like, oh my god, what stupid teenagers. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Thinking about back to it now, like as an adult, I'm like, you know, I can't, I can't imagine yelling at a young kid. You know, yeah, it's just strange. Yeah. Um. And so, how old are you now? I'm turning 26 in a couple months. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> so what star sign does that make you? Well, I'm an Aquarius. Oh, are you? Yeah. I'm downright an Aquarius, and I love being an Aquarius, whatever that means. Oh, yes. So that's like, um, so I know you've interviewed Yeri. Yeah. So she's very hardcore Aquarius yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so is Casey. <laughs> yes. yeah. Okay. Which is funny because we, like, I don't know, I always find, like, people that, like, uh, Aquarius, we always like often get along. I haven't met an Aquarius I don't like. <laughs> Most Aquariuses, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like love Yeri, love, love Casey. That makes sense. That you know that we're all Aquarius. Aquarius, just like super bubbly, yes, friendly, and like I guess like yeah, reasonably outgoing. But I feel like you know having also that um downtime, alone time to recharge, and I feel like that's like another. Aquarius mm, trait. Mm, you know, mm. We love people, but we also like... Your own space. Yeah, yeah. Talk to me about the web series Amplified that you're hosting. From a representation point of view, I just thought it was awesome to see an Asian woman hosting. That in itself was awesome. But yeah, keen to know how it was dreamed up, how it came to life, how was the production experience for you? Talk to me. Well... Shout out to Jane Yee. Yes. Yeah, Hello. Like... <laughs> I know. When thinking about them, it's, yeah, yeah Jane Yee, of yeah, course. Yeah, I like Jane Yee. I, I was a bit shy when I, I did, like, um, The Fold with 
Duncan I guess. Groove and um, Jane Yee was like the producer, like, you know, I was in the recording studio and I was like, oh my God, I was a bit oh my God. shy, but I was kind of like, <laughs> I gave C4 a little shout out, but I don't think I gave her enough shout out, like, on there because I was like, oh, she's in the room. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's Jane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, Jane Yee and like, I think, yeah, C4 was such a huge influence in this because that's what I grew up with. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm looking at it now, like, there's not many music content, video content. But, yeah, so, like, Amplified is basically, like, a five-part web series about local musicians connecting with their cultural roots. And, yeah, I love all of these mu- musicians. Like, like the, the whole thing about <laughs> Amplified is, like, the production process was crazy because of COVID. Oh, uh, yeah. So, like... We got, you know, we got, we postponed like three times and, you know, we got funding like last year. If there's no COVID, this would, would have come out like started this year, but we only filmed like in June, July this year. Oh. <laughs> so it was a huge pushback. Um, mm. But yeah, like the artists are all so amazing that they like stuck with us the whole time. So, you know, on Amplified, we have... Cortador from Wellington, who's Anna Hayes-Scotney. She's also an actress. So, like, if you watch it, you'd be like, oh, she looks so familiar. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> she's, like, in Cousins. And we also got um, Te Oreo Re Natai Melbourne um, directing that. And, like, through that process, they also... They were also on Cousins together. And it turns out, like, when they were, like, you know, talking about Amplified, you know, that they are actually cousins in real life. <laughs> So, like, that's, like, such a special well, story. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, so, you know, the artists, we, the other art, artists that we also have are Leao, um, Podiso, Samara Olofa, and Amugi. And, yeah, these were the artists I picked up from, like, the very start when we had funding. Even before we got funding, I asked him, like, would you be keen if we would do this? And, you know, they all were, which was, like, so awesome. And, yeah, I, I kind of just, like, came across them through my time doing radio um, at BFM, hosting, like, this all-new music show called Totally Wired. Mm. And there's, like, a feature on it, like, a long-form kind of interview about tracks from, like, people's, like, latest releases. And that's how I kind of got to know all of them. So before Amplified, I was already, like, seeing this theme of, like, people really embracing themselves and being, like, you know, just, like, not really conforming to anything, but Mm. just, like, being so true to themselves and also... Yeah, like showing or like using their like heritage as inspiration in some way or another. So I saw that theme coming up, and yeah, and that's kind of how like that's the early formation of like Amplified, and that's how kind of like we're like the brain. That's what kicked it off. <laughs> yeah, 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 so, yeah, yeah, and yeah, and then kind of like just developed it a little bit. I know I've always wanted to like get into like a more visual thing than radio. Yes. Radio is a really great start, but you know, I I love, you know, visual things at the same time. Like that's what I studied, which was like TV and screen production. And so I had this idea and then I reached out to Amanda Jane Robinson, who I met through BFM Mm -hmm. and she totally just like got it straight away. And, like, she has, like, a background in, like, doing music videos and just, like, this real strong connection with, like, the young people in, like, the film industry, the up-and-coming directors. And, like, she had such 
are great eye for talent. All these like directors she kind of like handpicked. And also our DOP, Joseph Griffin, who is like normally works in like fashion, commercial stuff. But we really wanted like a really stylized look. Mm. We would call it like the euphoria. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, oh my God. I, I totally can see that. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally see that influence. Yeah. Yeah. It, right? Yes. Like, the love euphoria it. of like music. <laughs> doco series or something we just really wanted to make it a little bit different and like you know appeal to our demographic of the youth demographic as they would say mm. um yeah just to kind of make it i don't know stand out a bit more i don't know sometimes i get a bit bored watching <laughs> like the standard documentary style like yes. if i'm honest like i love things looking great and like amanda totally was like i don't know had such great ideas for that like, I don't know how to, like, make something look great, but, like, I feel like... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to but it works. But I just like seeing people make things, like, look awesome, and Amanda really got that, and I think just, like, really great at... The eye for talent is, like, awesome, and, oh, my God, like, through this process of, like, Amplified, shout out to Amanda because she really, like, pulled it through. Like, I'm, like, just, like, the little baby co-producer. Like, she's a series <laughs> producer that kind of, like, you know, doing their budget... Like, <laughs> stress, you know, stressing out about the money and making sure we were, like, you know, we're able... It was going to happen. Yeah, yeah, that was going to happen, and we were able to, like, deliver everything. <laughs> like, what a project for her to, like, jump on and, like... <laughs> and it's also, like, both our, like, kind of first, like, big projects. Mm. So we're all, like, in it together. And, like, same with, like, Joe Griffin. He never really done, like, a doco series like this before. So it was all kind of, like, our first time doing something and same for the directors like some were like first time directors yeah so it felt like there was like this real camaraderie mm. that we're like <laughs> experiencing this pretty I stressful think... crazy production with all these problems going on all these like little things would pop up and we're like oh my god just like lockdown and yes everything and but like going through that together and getting to where we are now it's like it's such a huge achievement and like or, you know, everyone's gone through, through it from the start to yeah. the end. So, Oh, congrats. Yeah. Sounds <laughs> it's, a, it's a relief that it's out yeah. in a way. Yeah. Um, Do you think you'll do another one? We'll see. Like, I think we kind of want to see, like, what the reception will be like for this mm. and see if we can, like, fit it in with – because Amanda also works too. So if we can, like, fit for, it in. It, yeah. But, like, definitely there's, like, enough – more than more than enough stories – to fill out a second series, a yeah. third series, and even more because there's like such, yeah, there's such amazing talent here in Aotearoa, you know, all over the place. And it'd be cool to like look into artists that aren't in the main centres or anything. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. Four of the episodes are about artists in Auckland, one in Wellington. So they're, yeah, it'd be cool to expand from that. But it's really cool that why I love is the directors and the artists all really showed different parts of the city. Mm. Like it all felt really different and it kind of, they kind of showed like their version of Auckland city. And I thought that was really cool. I didn't feel like, okay, we're in Auckland for each episode, yes. but everything was like different. Yeah. Really different. Yeah. And had like yeah. character. With Amplified focusing on the ties between creative practice and identity, what's the connection like between your identity and your work? I so I have a show on this like LA station called Dub Lab and it's called Apex and the main focus is about sounds from the Asia Pacific and that's kind of like my 
channel to like learn more about artists in like China, Taiwan, even just like wherever you know that yeah. Asia Pacific <laughs> region <laughs> is huge. <laughs> what a fucking awesome thing to do though! Like, how did you, how did you get to do that? Uh, how did you get into it? Yeah, well, I was living in LA in 2019 and kind of just like towards the end of the year, like worked. I don't know, like, somehow got a... I got, like, a guest slot for, like, a few weeks and, like, actually, do you want to, like, keep going with this? I was already going to move back to New Zealand anyways, but they're, like, you know, just pre-record it and stuff. And I had this, like, idea. Like, I initially, it would have been, like, an all-New Zealand music show, but I thought, you know, it'd be really cool to, like, use Apex as a way to, like, make connections with other Asian artists, producers, DJs all over and also it's you know the Asia Pacific region also includes like Australia and New Zealand so I could yeah, yeah. you know showcase like New Zealand music too and it's all kind of about yeah there's like I've met quite a few people through the internet through that and it's like yeah it's a really cool way to learn and also like push myself when I'm doing a mix like you know I'm pushing myself to find artists and regions and like different regions I wouldn't really like look at and kind of like yeah dig into the scene of all these different places yeah that's how I try to like connect with things and also like in my work I try you know it might not just be connecting with my Chinese heritage but I also want to encourage people to like connect with their own and you know like amplified it's like it's more like how do I describe this yeah it's more like bringing people with me on a journey yes. to like do that too. Yes. Yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> totally with you. Yeah. I hope that makes sense. Yes. Yes, like, it does. One thing that David Liao said in an episode that I always go back to is like they say that, you know, they've found their own way to be Samoan and it might not be a traditional way, but it's like their own way. And, yes. You know, you gotta yeah. like put things in a modern context at the same time. Um, yeah. That's definitely something that's come through with the people that I've spoken to, a theme being identities are our own to yeah. sort of explore, tear apart, redefine, all of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, totally. Mm. And it's not like, I don't know. <laughs> I, can't, I can't think of like, oh, what's something like a traditional Chinese thing I've integrated? And, no, I don't. You know, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. It's really hard to think. Like, mm, I don't really know. Like, obviously, you know, my parents keep me really connected, you know, going to their place every weekend for dinner and like cooking um it was like I guess like yeah in a way it's like through food personally for me but through my work there's like little ways I try to like incorporate it yes whether it's like playing like a Chinese producer in my DJ set or yeah making those connections and having those conversations with people yeah 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 yeah, no no, no, that that totally makes sense because yeah with the identity thing, it's kind of, I was talking to someone recently about this, you know, with being quote-unquote Asian and how this ties to our work. Some, like, we're not, well, for me, it's not like we might not wake up every morning and be like, how am I going to be Asian today in my work? You know, it's <laughs> yeah, like, this is, we're just alive, exactly. yeah. living our life. Yeah, exactly. Um, and like, I guess it's like ways, <laughs> like, you know, language and stuff, like, mm. which I've like, you know, to be honest, I've really lost, you know, growing up. Oh, God, like, my... Mandarin's like 
worse than a three-year-old <laughs> it's really embarrassing but like my parents like never really corrected me when I would say something wrong growing up so if I were to like speak to like someone else like <laughs> what did you what? say were there any interviews or moments that were particularly impactful for you yeah I guess like you know what going back to what David said before mm. I thought that was like such an interesting conversation about yeah finding your own way and your own identity um and it yeah obviously it doesn't have to be traditional and like you can be queer you can do whatever like break boundaries break stereotypes because I think yeah I think those conversations are like I don't think just like I think they're important just for me but like I think for like younger people to hear Mm. which I think is like yeah, the most important part in about Amplified is, like, getting the younger generation to, like, hear and see these artists mm. and, like, pursue their own dreams. Mm. Um, yeah, because I think, yeah, I guess we're, like, missing a bit of that sometimes. I don't yes. know. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really cool, like, social media is around and, like, people can, like, seek those things out. But, like, in terms of, like, mainstream, or, like, the general media in New Zealand it's like it's really it's really lacking yes you know there's like been a I guess like pro a little bit of progress and like all that but Mm. yeah I think in terms of music it's a it's a bit yeah it's a bit more lacking but I hope that changes I hope it just like keeps on moving we get more artists who are just more artists who are trying to more younger artists Mm. trying to like pursue music Mm. and they're in their own way and making music that they enjoy. Great answer. <laughs> I know your taste has likely really varied, but I'm interested in how you got into electronic music and whether there was a catalyst or experience that started things. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I guess I've always been really into music. I wanted to be a musician, but I quickly realised that... Oh, what kind I, of musician? I don't even know. <laughs> like, I really l- I loved Lana Del Rey when I was in high school, I was like trying to write songs like her. But I really can't. I can't sing. <laughs> like, I really can't sing. I can't write any good lyrics. But, so it was like turning my passion into something like, yeah. And I love talking to people. I love stories. So that's kind of like, yeah, where, where that comes from. But electronic music, I think the most... I think even it was like yeah, if I if I can go back to a time it would be let me think, twenty sixteen mm-hmm. and there was I mean, the biggest influential artists for me thinking about electronic music were like Totems and Career Girls. That was like such an era for me when I was like younger. Mm-hmm. I was probably like eighteen. You know, just just left high school, first year of uni, <laughs> you're going crazy and like to see those artists you know they're not making music anymore and you know R.I.P. Totems Ruben Winter but like yeah those were like what I think about. Did you see them live? Yeah yeah okay like really awesome I don't know like it was a real experience. Yes. And I think even to this day I don't think I've like seen someone anyone like play like them or like someone kind of give me like that same kind of yes energy but like obviously during radio you're listening to all kinds of music and yeah, when you're listening, playing electronic music, you're like, oh my god, this shit slaps. Yeah, yes. yeah. That's how I felt when hearing your daylight ravings on. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I asked that question because 
I remember very clearly the first, I must have been like, 15 or 16 and I went to my first big day out oh yeah and I went to the boiler room and I I was like what is this (laughs) this is like mid early mid 2000s um and I I was like in love and so would go to raves that was like my early my teen and through like uni and stuff was just having a fucking ball. Whoa, that's amazing. Like I didn't really grow up with electronic music. I had like, you know, my sibling Mingzu, who was like such a punk and like emo goth. <laughs> so I was like I love like bikini kettle. Oh yeah. Radiohead. Oh yeah. yeah. Radiohead, you know, on the way to school. The cure. Yes. Um oh. so like Electronic music wasn't, like, a huge part of me growing up. and But, like, as an adult, I think, yeah, like, yeah, going to raves mm. and stuff is such an experience. And you kind of just, like, let yourself go. You don't care. You just <laughs> dance and, like, you know, yes. you can tap in and out whenever. Yes. You don't have to stay the whole time. You just do whatever you want. And I think that's, like, the most amazing thing. And I think when I was living in L.A. in 2019, that was probably – what I saw was like, yeah, like more Asians at these like raves yeah. and parties. At the Asians in the EDM scene yeah. over there is like a whole and, culture itself. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, oh my god, that's so cool. Like, you know, I didn't really see that here. Mm. Um, and yeah, I just it was just like felt like a more like welcoming space mm. for whoever. Yeah, and like you know, experiencing that, you're like, you know, that's a I don't know. Special. <laughs> yeah, it's really special. And it was just like a way to let your hair down. And like DJing, in the end, you're just playing tunes. Like, <laughs> it's like nothing that like crazy. You're just playing tunes and giving people a really good time and, you know, making sure people have fun. And yeah, obviously I was a radio DJ for so long. And Did you do radio at uni? No, I didn't. Oh. I just like volunteered at BFM. Oh, awesome. Yeah, got a graveyard, then did the all new music show for like so many years. So like then there was a point where that trend started to like translate to like live stuff. It was uh <laughs> my first show was at Beacon Festival, put on by Friendly Potential. Yes, I went to the one in 2020. It was, oh, nice. it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, so I played in like 2021. Cool. In March. And yeah, I think obviously like after that lockdown, but like I kind of learned how to DJ when I was, yeah, in LA with, you know, through a friend, with a friend, like he taught me because like to do radio over there, you have to like learn to do the CDJs and everything. Whereas like here, you know, you press a couple buttons mm. and you play it, like at, at BFM at least. So that's kind of where I like learned the skills and like being yeah doing radio you're always thinking of like a playlist and taking people through a journey Mm. and yeah so I remember it was pretty crazy that people started to book me without ever seeing me play and giving me like a headline (laughs) slot well this was like for um this show at Wammy Back Room Mm -hmm. put on by Run With The Wolves yeah so it was like crazy but like really cool that people knew I could do that Although, you know, that's like two, almost two years ago now. Like, you know, well, I feel like I'm way better DJ from <laughs> then. But yeah, it was really cool to like kind of have these people believe in me, kind of like push me to, yeah, DJ live because they knew yeah. they had it in me and I didn't even know myself. So 
And yes. I kind of just stuck with it. <laughs> Amazing. Do you have a dream music festival venue or city that you'd love to play at? Oh, I love, oh, yes. Okay. Nowadays in New York, it's a really cool club. Um, I went there for the first time and all my friends were like, you got to go nowadays. And it's like the coolest, the best DJs like play there. And no phones are allowed on the dance floor. I mean, like, you know, they're allowed in your bag, but you're not allowed to use them mm. or you get kicked out. Yeah. And, like, it's they have this awesome outdoor space and it just, like, it's hard to leave because it's, like, really, I don't know, it's really um captivating. Just, like, people just there to, like, enjoy and dance. Who They know whatever DJ's on is, like, amazing. And they're just, like, so open to, to like, yeah, like, the audience seems, like, so open to, like, all these kinds of music. And, like, when you're, before you go in, they take you into, like, a little room first and they explain all the rules. Ooh. <laughs> um, yeah, like, the phone stuff and, like, you know, not being a creep and everything. Yes. And if someone is, you know, let someone know. And that was quite cool. It felt like you were, like, going to, like, Disneyland. Love it. Oh, there's proper etiquette. <laughs> yeah, also, exactly. I love it, yeah. And, like, they really, like, changed things, like, it just that really made like an influence on how like the club mm. felt. Um, yeah, it was like yeah, it was a really cool, cool space, and it'd be like a dream to ever play there. Um, but yeah, that's I can't think mm. of like festivals, but like, <laughs> in terms of like a cool club, like mm. that, I think that's it. Like I've you know, I guess like I'm playing R&B. This year. Oh, yeah. Have you been before? I haven't. Ah, okay. <laughs> I don't even know what to expect, but. Right. Except my friend went to RMV, like maybe end of high school, and she told me the story about how she, like, put her hand down the grass, felt something wet oh, no. on her sleeve, and she was like, oh my was God. Was it vomit? It was shit. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So, like, that's, like, my impression of RMV. Oh, <laughs> and like ever since I heard this, I was like, "Oh my god, I'm never going." But I think, yeah, I think it's definitely one one of those like things you kind of have to play as a DJ. Yeah, and, I think it's rite of passage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely rite of passage. And like when I saw the lineup of DJs that they had, like yeah, Bonobo. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> Scream. Yes. Shanti Celeste. Yeah. Um, Sophia Cortesis. I think that's how you pronounce her name. But like those like are people like such huge fans of. Yeah you know, just to be on the lineup with them. Yeah, so, like, those are, like, oh, my God, I'm just, like, so excited to, like, just be on that lineup of DJs and I think maybe even play at the same stage. I don't know. Um, yes. Yeah, just to have that possibility is, like, really yeah. amazing. Yeah, r is, like, in terms of New Zealand music festivals, New Year's ones. Yeah. It's mega. I, I think I went, I've been to three, I think, when I was, like, 17, 19 and, like, very early 20s, maybe, oh, like, 21. Yeah. A long time ago now. <laughs> um, it was loose. We used to camp at, at um, Baywatch Camping Grounds, which is like off-site, whereas now they've put the camping on-site. Oh. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty loose, but amazing at the same time. Yeah. I, as, a, as a young person, yeah, I was like, sure whoa. It was like, you know, you're going crazy. In the vines. Yeah, you're, exactly. Yeah. But, oh, God, I hate camping. That's why I go Me to, too. <laughs> yeah, I don't really like going to, like, music festivals unless it's, I've got, like, I, a I nice know. place to go to at night, you know? Yes, Otherwise, it's like... 100%. Yeah, it's too much of a hassle. What music and or creative work is exciting you right now? Oh. <laughs> Let me think. Let me think. Try not to sound biased at the same time. 
Oh, you can be biased. <laughs> Please. Um, be biased. Okay. <laughs> well, oh, no. Because I haven't had any music out yet, so I don't want to speak too soon. Um, <laughs> um, um, yeah, what is exciting me? I think just, like, the scene in general in Auckland, in New Zealand and all over, the music scene is mm. just, like, that always inspires me. I guess one artist I really admire that always actually, like, really inspires me, whatever he does, is Mokotron. Um, so he's an electronic artist. He's Māori and he really, like, incorporates that into, like, his electronic music. And it's nothing like anything you would have heard of before. Like, I've never heard of any music like it. And so, like, hearing that for the first time, I was like, oh, my God. Like, How did you find him? I guess, like, people were kind of sharing it. Like, friends were kind of sharing it. And it was on Bandcamp. And, yeah, like, I kind of heard of him before. And then I slowly kind of, like, someone told me who he was and Mm. I got to, like, interview him. He's very mysterious, supposedly. Like, you know, he's, yeah, he's definitely, like, an artist that I think is like I don't know gets me quite excited and just to hear music that is indigenous and electronic yes I'm totally gonna google that after this yeah and just like everything else in between and like really comes from the heart and yeah you feel that and there's like a mission to it you know there's a purpose to his music which I think is yeah really I don't know you yeah you feel the purpose you feel like you know, he's doing this music for a reason and uh, I just hope more music that he inspires, like, younger producers mm. to make similar music because, like... We need it. Yeah, we mm. need it. Mm. And I think he even mentioned when I had a talk to him, you know, to, like, have the torch, you know, someone to carry the torch. And I guess when you have that torch, you go, you know, pass it on mm. to more people, mm. right? So, yeah, hopefully, uh, it would, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, more of that comes... Yes. You know, it comes out, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What's taking up your headspace at the moment? <laughs> Work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because outside of all this, you also have a full-time child. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Lots of work and balancing that. And I'm, I'm kind, I guess I'm on the cusp of, like, Gen Z, millennial. Mm. Like, I'm very much in between. But, like, there's that um, different kind of working different kind of mindset to work towards working compared to like i don't know gen x or boomers <laughs> you know yes. you know we appreciate work-life balance yes so, boundaries that yeah thing. yeah exactly so i think working a full-time job and also trying to do like creative stuff on the side mm. i haven't done so much creative stuff since I've started, but at least like DJing and like finding time to do that, or even finding time to do the groceries and like, or go to the gym, go for a walk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> struggling a bit. Mm. Um, because when I want to come home, I just want to sit down, watch the TV, maybe watch the chase. <laughs> yes. And stuff. So, yeah, I think, yeah. So the job is like working in the office. And before that, I had a job where I was like working from home for most of the time. So, yeah, there's that like transition period where I'm like, how, how do I work in the office? Now? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's taking up my head headspace, kind of figuring that out. And I guess, like, getting getting used to a schedule and finding where to fit my other life, life stuff, stuff in. It. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember there's a term for it. It's not – is it mental load? It's, like, how, you know, if you work full time, there's also – I think it's mental load. It's, like, thinking – 
it's not just going to the grocery store. It's the mental thinking of what do I need, like planning yeah, for. Yeah, yeah It's exactly. that mental stuff around, okay, do I, this, that, like, I need to pay, I need to take my car for all right. It's like thinking about yeah, that little sort of stuff. That like, takes headspace. Yeah, exactly. You know, sometimes I think this is just what happens kind of like, I guess this is kind of like what is expected in the industry. You're not working like, I don't know, regular hours all the time. You know, there might be a show that you have to be at. yeah so that's kind of like the standard but Mm. yeah I I think you know just trying to find that work-life balance is like really important yes I see yeah so sounds like an adjustment recalibrating yeah yeah. um while also I very much appreciated you coming on the podcast (laughs) (laughs) how would you describe your 2022 and what do you want your 2023 to look like oh 2022 so far so good Great. <laughs> um yeah I guess like Amplified took up most of 2022 and um and having that release like that's been like awesome have, achieving that this year so you know having done a video series is amazing and not something I would have thought I would have done sure, you know? yes yeah it's something I've w- always wished I could do but you know now that you know, we've done that. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, 2023, I just hope it's bigger and better. <laughs> I don't know what that looks like. Yeah. But I think, yeah, it'd be cool, you know, in my new job, working in, like, the music industry, be cool to, like, keep on learning. Yeah, see where I go with this new job mm. and see if I could fit in Amplified Season 2 and if Amanda can too. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I don't know, 2023. Yeah, well, let's see. How spiritual would you say you are? Uh, I grew up going to church, but I don't think I ever really, really actually believed in God. (laughs) I went to, like, Christian horse camps even. Really? Yeah, but I was more there for the horse. (laughs) More for the horse than this. Yeah, I was there more for the horses, and, like, it happened to be Christian. And You know, there were brief moments I was, like, so into Christianity because, like, when you're at camp, everyone is, and you're like, wow, there's cool older girls are Christian Christian, but I think once I got a bit older or just like as a teenager learning a bit more about feminism kind of really skewed my view of Christianity or Mm. just like you can see you when you see the system for yeah the the religious system yeah you know when you're when it's like I don't know when the church is anti-queer and Mm. you know kind of I remember being taught like I was probably like 15 or 16 and in youth group and they're talking about, oh, women, serve your husbands, husbands, <laughs> look after your wives. And I was kind of like, fuck this, <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> and like, you know, and then we pray and then I remember just like thinking like, I don't like know, yeah, I yeah. don't agree with that and like, you know, pretending to pray along with them. So, mm. yeah, I don't think, mm. I, I don't think I'm, a, I'm not like an atheist, but I don't know where I am, but I just mm. don't feel like God or Jesus is for me right mm. now. So is spirituality for you tied to religion? Yeah, mm. I guess like that's how I, I would see it. Mm. Yeah, I don't, okay. think I'm, I, don't, I don't think I'm a very spiritual person in general. No, that's all good. I, I ask the question every episode. <laughs> I'm just interested in what people say. If you had a piece of wisdom to give your 16-year-old self, what would it be? Hmm... Oh, God, I guess, like, oh, you don't need to hang out with those plastic girls. (laughs) 
Yeah. Mm. But, you know, I don't, I don't regret anything. That I've, you know, I don't regret who I was at 16. I think that's led to who I am now. And mm. I was still like, I don't remember being 16, but like, I want to be a music journalist. So like, yeah. <laughs> you, you had that dream as a 16 year old? Yeah. Oh, it's just so nice. I know. It's so, good. yeah. <laughs> okay. And what would you say to your 36 year old self? Um, well, <laughs> I hope you're making decent money. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, it's not about the money, but, you know, a, a, you know, a comfortable life. Yeah. With a house and a couple of horses. Yeah. That's all I really want. You know, it's, it's not all about the money, but it is about money. Like, <laughs> money, I mean, fuck, it would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. Or, like, you know, I hope. I hope thirty-six-year-old me is, I don't know, getting paid well yes. for her work. Yeah, just, getting valued. Yeah, getting valued. Yeah, so like it's not like I am not now. I'm. I feel very valued at, you know, by people around me. I just, I just hope to have two horses <laughs> when I'm thirty-six, <laughs> and be able to travel to, you know. Yeah, that's, you know, that'd be the dream. Yes, to be like based here, but also to be. You know, to travel yes. and also have some horses. That's yes. just like, I, no, I love it. <laughs> Before we get into finish these sentences, is there anything else you'd like to talk about that we haven't covered? I think we're good. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so to finish these sentences, I'm feeling inspired by... Myself. <laughs> love. I'm really looking forward to... Summer. And I'd love to be known for... Being driven. <laughs> awesome well thank you so much for coming to talk to me Jess oh, thanks so much for having me that's it thank <laughs> you thanks for listening to this episode with Jess if you liked that share it with a friend leave a review and follow Asian and Aotearoa on Instagram <laughs> <laughs>